0: If you open up your Bibles to Psalm 27, I'm taking a time out from the book of Acts to address some things that are happening in the world. Today's sermon, Whom Shall I Fear? As we just sang it, we sang the gospel, we shall fear nothing because of Christ. He is risen, amen? And uh, we fear nothing because of Christ. Uh, we're going to speak about that, but let's open a Psalm 27 first, and I'll read the whole text. A Psalm of David, the Lord is the light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh... My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our hearts can be encouraged by everything Christ has done for us. We thank you that you have not left us as orphans, Father God, but you have given us the counsel and the comfort of the Holy Spirit of truth, Father God, that guides us in all truths and reminds us of everything you have ever said and comforts our hearts. We thank you as we sang the gospel today, God. Our hearts took comfort and fear was expelled, Father God, as we look to the cross, we look to the empty grave, we look to the second coming, God. We look to the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for every good and perfect gift, Father God. We thank you for reminding us, whom shall we fear? So Lord, breathe upon the text, God, and alleviate our fears and anxieties that seem to engulf America these days, Lord, in Jesus' precious name, Amen. amen. In light of the recent terror attacks abroad and the imminent threats concerning America and even New York City, uh... I thought it necessary to speak on this issue. To take a moment out. Particularly to comfort the fears that believers might have. As we hear of Times Square being a target. Maybe the next target. My wife works right in the heart of Times Square. And when she goes to work, we pray. And we remind each other that we will not live in fear. We will not allow the enemy, whether Satan... Or, or physical enemies from overseas put fear in our hearts. But we have to seek God for that. This is not about pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. We're human beings. We're frail. And fear can be and often is a part of our life. And we've got to remind ourselves that through God all things are possible. And we don't have to fear because he does live this is a real concern for America. There is no doubt. But how we believe is believers, how do we respond? Do we turn the deaf ear? Turn a blind eye? Do we make believe we put our head in the proverbial sand and say, oh, it's not going to happen? Or do we live paranoid? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, and people try to go to one extreme or another, but they don't come to a reasonable biblical balance and understanding of these things. And I hope we get into it a little bit tonight. We find more of a, a, a balance on how a believer uh, goes, apart, goes about life in a, in a tense world of which we live in. How do we respond? Whom do we run to? Are uh, we putting all our eggs in one basket in the government? Our military power? Politicians? All conventional wisdom? Who are we hoping on? If if the left wins the the presidency or the right wins the presidency, who's going to get in there and protect me? It's only natural to want fast answers and even faster assurance to these questions. Am I right? We want answers. We want answers now. But our ancient psalm gives us great insight into contemporary Christian life in America, even in New York, under threat. As a pastor, my concern is not political, though I take a political interest. First and foremost it's spiritual. What's going on in the hearts of God's people? Or a lot of people are experiencing it, but nobody wants to say anything. That's personally what I believe. I believe there's a lot of low lying fear and anxieties that people aren't addressing in their life, but they're there. I feel it. My wife feels it. Are we to make believe and not talk about it? Maybe it'll just go away? As a Christian, does the Bible approach it? It certainly does. I think our psalm speaks very directly into this, and we're going to speak about it tonight as we get into it. Our ancient psalm gives us great insight. Where we see in this psalm a vast, unseen army. That's what's going on. This vast, unseen army encamped around and threatening the safety and the peace of David and Israel. And I believe this threat that we're experiencing will test the heart of American Christianity. And give us opportunity to confess with David, whom shall I fear? How is the Christian American Christian church rising up to this? Is it try to to get one politician in and one politician out? Or do we run to the Lord and seek and inquire in his temple? Where is our peace coming from? The American political landscape is changing rapidly. And it could be, and I say could, could be the refuge the church has been trusting in for many years and not trusting in God. Even personally, all of us, without realizing it, we could be trusting in other things for our comfort and our security, our future, and our hope. And not even know it until tragedy and tribulation comes in and reveals that we've been trusting in other things than God. Because when you trust in God, I don't care what it is, imminent death, you sing, you praise, and you honor God. That's what the Holy Spirit, we just did that. We just enjoy, I enjoyed the Lord. I genuinely enjoyed the Lord in the company of angels and other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This psalm is about confident trust in God's power to deliver from impending disasters, even unseen disasters. But more important than that is that God's presence, represented in the temple, delivers from the enemy of all enemies a fearful heart a fearful heart will do more damage to us than a thousand enemies it's probably the greatest enemy, our mind will kill us long before someone else does and that's what fear does this psalm is about the presence of God, the power of the presence of God to deliver us from the enemy of a fearful heart That at times, and if we all know that at times a fearful heart can paralyze a human being, even a believer. This is written by a man who was, a man after who? God's own? This is the warrior king, this is the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is a man they said Saul slayed a thousand, but David as a young boy slayed ten thousand. This is a man with a slingshot that took down Goliath that held at bay the whole army of Israel. Let me give you an example. You have person A and person B. Both are being threatened by some sort of unseen threat, whether real or perceived. Person A finds his comfort in a bomb shelter. And in that bomb shelter, he has physical safety, but inside his heart, he's a nervous wreck. Not an ounce of quality of life. Physically, he's going to be safe, but a quality of life, there is none. Person B, refuse to get into the bomb shelter, trust in God, rather live 10 years on earth, 20 years on earth, One day in the house of the Lord is a thousand elsewhere. He'd rather live under God's presence and die young than to be bound for a century in a bomb shelter and physically exist, but not live. And that's what fear does. And if we're not careful, people will exist as Christians who are saved under the power and hope of the resurrection, but yet they won't live. And the truth of the matter is, we all can fall into it. And at times we have, and that's why we encourage each other. No one's better than anybody else. We need one another. We're going to find out as we get into the text. We're privileged tonight to look into the private prayer life of King David. This is a great man. This is David's personal faith. There's no one around. This is David and God and a situation. And we get to peer into the heart of a man. How he navigated tough situations and how he drew certain absolute conclusions about his future hope based on the attributes of God. Not man, not conventional wisdom. This is behind scenes look at the heart of a warrior. And so strong is this that in the midst of the storm he can say, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This wasn't high in the pie spiritual hope. I'll go to heaven one day. For David, under the Mosaic law, a long life was a sign of God's blessing. But we do have a greater blessing today. And that's the sign, hope, and seal of the Holy Spirit and the guarantee of life with Christ forever in a new heaven and the new earth. David didn't have that. What you and I have today, what you and I sung today, David could never, ever have imagined. The joy and the hope we have as born-again believers, David could only come close to it, but couldn't come as far as we have. Like many of the Psalms, it starts off with a great declaration of trust and confidence. Whom shall I fear? Only to momentarily collapse or have a lapse of faith. Many of the Psalms are like that. The Psalm is like that. But these are not contradictions, but in reality, they express the true faith of a believer as it works its way to the surface in the trying time of personal life. Are you with me? David's a man. Elijah was a man. Moses was a man. I'm a man. You're human. We have fears. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get engulfed with fear. The pastor can be engulfed with fear. The worship leader can be engulfed with fear. The elder, the leader. If we're not careful, and that's what David's going through. David's fighting fear. It's real. But in this dialogue he's having with God, faith is rising up and it's coming to the surface. And we're going to learn as we inquire in the temple. We have to bring faith to the surface to overcome personal fears. Whether they're real or they're perceived. It's there, it's in our hearts. But many times we have to go through this living dialogue like David with God. And we can't miss that point. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this, I'm fearful of that. And I'm like, stay with it, wait unto the Lord they have good courage wait he'll show himself mighty he'll show himself faithful, he'll show himself strong, faith works faith expressing itself through patience, it's through patience and faith that they inherited the promises we don't get the answer right away, we go through the awkward situation, I believe but help my I believe, Lord, but help my... It's that awkward transition from believing to really being confident. So before we get into the ideal of being strong in the Lord and, and being of good courage, where we can confidently say the Lord is the light in my salvation, we have to start out at the bottom where all of us start out, like David started. We've got to remind myself I'm a human being. I need to be in the presence of God. I've got to get to the temple. I need to inquire of the Lord. I need to remind myself of his goodness in my life because I am just a human man. Period. There are no superstars in the kingdom of God. Not one. Except Christ. The psalm doesn't start in verse 1. It starts in verse 7, if we can put that up. I will do it conceptually. I will go through the psalm. I'm not going to do it verse by verse. But where... To try to live it out as the psalmist was living this out. As David was living this out. I tried to recapture that to the best I can. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to experience what David is telling us and encouraging us. And it starts in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me. And answer me. He could easily say, because an an enemy is all around me, Lord. I'm crying out to you. It's like a great army, Lord, is encamped around me. There's fear in my heart. The sound of war is in my ears. And everywhere I look, there's evildoers. And they're they're assailing me. They want to devour my flesh, my humanity. Lord, I just feel like I'm just a mere mortal. These metaphors, these war-type metaphors are used to show the seriousness of the situation to capture the passion and intensity of the reality David was living. They're not expressions to just capture our curiosity. The Psalms aren't there to capture our curiosity. The Psalms express man's deepest emotions and fears and desires and hopes and dreams. That's the theology of the Psalms. David found himself in a tight place, some sort of personal threat that was against him. It plagued his emotions and brought him under great fear. The warrior. Almost paralyzing his life, his inner life. And he cries out, God, be gracious to me, answer me when I cry to you, God. I'm not beseeching you, I'm crying to you, God. He turns to God, some time has passed. We know from verse 10, it says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will, he'll take me in. And what David is saying, not even his dearest and nearest can help him. What he's saying is no human can help me. He needs God's grace. And it's expressed, be gracious to me, O God. Nothing else can do. Neither man, nor government, or, 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 or some kind of conventional wisdom can bring him the peace on the inside that he desperately cries out to God. Remember something. This is David. He surrounded himself with the greatest warriors Israel has ever known. David is surrounded by 32 mighty men. To get to David, you would have to kill hundreds, if not thousands, before you can get to David. But yet David doesn't go to man for his deliverance. He had many wives. He didn't go to a wife to find comfort. He carried all the wine and myrrh he wanted. But nothing would do except God. Only God. Not even his mother and his father would we'll just highlight the point no human agency could give David what he wanted. There's a time in a believer's life I'm telling you now is a past. You're going to find yourself in a situation your wife can't help you. The pastor can't help you, your husband can't help you. You're going to find yourself in situations that only God can. You can tell the pastor, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your friend, have the church praying for you. But at the end of the day, only God can deliver the goods. That's an awkward time for a pastor. I had to learn that as a young minister. I tried to comfort everybody. And I learned a day one day, I had to learn the hard way. I said, I got to point you to Christ. Remember what Jesus told Peter? I pray that your faith sustain you. In that evil day, Paul says, stand. Stand. He's reminded that God said something to him. Said something to him and to all righteous Jews. He said in verse 8, You said, O Lord, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And you would think, well, how does that fit into this? Well, that's Psalm 24. And if it's, it's the answer is defined in Psalm twenty four is this: Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in God's holy temple? The answer is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Does that does not lift up his soul to any idol, idol or swear deceitfully? Such is the generation of those who seek God, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. David is saying this, Lord, I follow your ways, oh Lord. I'm far from idolatry. I follow you with my whole heart. I am of that generation that seeks you, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. I believe, Lord. I believe. Personally, for me, when I read this, that many times as David is going through here, He's reminded who's going to seek the face of God, the generation of the children of Jacob. Not an idolater. Anytime David in the Psalms, are, and I experience it myself, and you come to a trying time in your life, and you're beseeching God, I can't help but remember, I'm a sinner. I can't help but forget. I can't, I have to make sure it's natural. Like, Lord, I'm just a mortal man. When I'm in your presence, I realize how much I'm relying on your grace. I bring nothing to you. My hands, I want them to be clean. My heart, I want it to be clean. I don't want to lift up my soul to any idol. God, give me grace. I thank you for everything that Christ has done. It seems when trying times come over prolonged periods of time, and you're coming before God over a prolonged period of time for some kind of fear, some kind of anxiety, you can't help but to reflect and say, oh God, how human I really am. That's what David said. Seek my face, David. The way I told you in Psalm 24, to have clean hands and a pure heart and not lift up your soul to any idol. And David said, you said to seek your face, your face I am seeking, God. I'm living by your holy ordinances. I'm living by your law. I'm living by your prescribed sacrificial system. I'm coming to the temple with clean hands as I confess my sins before you. And he's reminded of the big picture. He's reminded of the comfort and convenience that sometimes rob us of the great joy of our salvation. And he's going to offer up sacrifices and praise in the temple and make a melody to the Lord. Verses 4 to 6 express it clearly. One thing I have asked of the Lord and that will I seek God's house here, God's temple, God's tent stands for the presence of God that's around the Ark of the Covenant. And with it comes this great peace of safety and assurance. This great joy that comes in the presence of God. David knew it. The psalmists knew it. The Levites knew it. David wants to go to the house of the Lord. He wants to seek. He wants to inquire of the Lord. And while he is there, he experiences divine presence. Something me and you experience on a regular basis as we're Christians. We are the temple of? And as we seek God in prayer and devotion and worship and his word and in fellowship, we sense the presence of God. David didn't have that luxury. You know the luxury we have? We're under a covenant with better promises. For David to experience some kind of tangible presence of God, he had to get close to the ark of the covenant. It's in that place where the presence of God was experienced. It's in that place where David experienced the peace that comes with that, and he wanted that. He sought that above all things. He didn't go to conventional wisdom to try to overcome the fear of men. He didn't come to conventional wisdom to try to overcome the threat that was all around him. He went to God. He went to the temple. He found the presence of God, and that was the only place that was going to give him the peace that transcends what? All understanding. But this experience was not just some supernatural of experience of just being in the temple and, 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 and there's a kind of glory coming down out of the temple and, and showering David and some kind of you know, out-of-body experience. There's nothing like that. He says what it is. He came by way of gazing upon the beauty of the Lord and inquiring in his temple. This is quiet contemplation and reflection on all that God has did from the time he, he birthed the nation from Abraham to His very present time. He went into temple to inquire. He went there to offer up His prayers and His supplications to present His case to God. And guess who was in the temple? The priests were always in the temple. And guess what the priests did in the temple? They read of the law. They read the word of God aloud. And they rightly interpreted the law. And then they would praise God according to what God has done in the law. And they will worship God according to what God had done in the law. And he inquired at the temple as he gazed upon the beauty of all that God has done in his life personally. And gazed upon the beauty of all that God that did from Abraham all the way through. As written in the word of God. This is not some out-of-body, subjective experience. This has to do with the truth that was represented at the Ark of the Covenant. Because there was something else in the Ark of the Covenant. Besides the presence of God, there was the Word of God within the Ark of the Covenant. There he would hear the priest read aloud and interpret rightly the faithfulness of God to Abraham, the faithfulness of God to Isaac, the faithfulness of God to Jacob, the faithfulness of God to Joseph, the faithfulness of God to Moses at the Red Sea, the faithfulness of God to Jacob as he was going into the promised land. And God would tell him, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that's in the word of God from my Moses servant. Do not turn to the left. Do not turn to the right. And you will have good success wherever you go. Let's not think this guy's going to the temple and just hanging around, and just, just you know, floating around. No, he's inquiring of the Lord according to the word of God. All the battles won. Time and again and time again, God showed David through the law... Through praise, through prayers, through the ministry of the priest, everything that God was on, David could say, I gazed upon your beauty. You're gazing upon the beauty of God now. We sung about the beauty of God. We're hearing about the beauty of God. We're inquiring in his temple. We're gazing upon the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Don't we understand that? This was an inner spiritual experience defined in practical way this is a deep spiritual experience deep penetrating subjective real but he defines it this way like being on a rock far from the enemy's attack being concealed from his enemy as though he was invisible to the enemy as he praised God it's this divine presence that recalibrates David's life from being fearful to being worried so that singing and melody and sacrifice can take place in his heart again this is all about the inner life of the believer which is God's priority to us please remember this This is God's priority to us. Remember about the illustration of the bomb shelter. What does God want? To physically be saved, but inside I'm a nervous wreck? Or to walk through life with peace and serenity that comes from the very presence of God? Am I going to tell myself again and again and again that the peace he gives to us is not the peace the world gives? For the peace that the world gives cannot give us peace and joy. I give you peace, not as the world gives. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. That's the way we live life. We live life like we serve a God that has overcome the world. Who saw Satan fall. It's in the temple under the influence of the word of God spoken under the word of God taught, under the word of God sung, along with the prescribed sacrificial system of how to come to God, that David had his aha moment. That's where he had his aha moment. And he's reminded that the Lord... The Lord is the light in my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? That's what happens when we're in the presence of God. We remind ourselves, or God reminds us, I'm in control. I am sovereign. I am Him who raises the dead. I am Him who calls those things that aren't as though they were. I am your life. I am your salvation. And then we have the aha moment. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I be afraid? That's what David is saying here. Wake up one morning and say, Whom shall I be afraid? Let me go to the temple and inquire. He woke up afraid. He cried out to God, Be gracious to me, O God. Evil sailors are all around me. He made his way headway to the Lord. He sought the Lord. He went to the temple. And while in the temple, he heard the word of God sung. He heard the word of God in prayer. He heard the word of God expounded on. It, and the only conclusion he could have the Lord is the light in my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I be afraid of? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid of? These metaphors go to define certain attributes of God in relation to his people when they're in trouble. These metaphors go to define the certain faithfulness of God to his people. When they are in trouble. Wherever they are. With any kind of trouble. Light. Light stands for many things in the Psalms. Joy. Truth. Understanding. Vitality. But here it takes a specific role. Light here stands for the absence of night. Which represents The Lord is the light in my salvation. The Lord is the light when everything around me is dark. When the enemy is all around me, the Lord is my light. The Lord illuminates my way. The Lord makes sure my future is bright. The Lord is the light. My future will always be bright. He is always before me. He's a refuge. He's my stronghold. As I see who he is and what he has promised in my life, I see how he was promised and he was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. So everybody, when I see how faithful he was, I know he'll be faithful too. Spiritually speaking, this is what David said. The closer I become to the light, God, in the temple, through the word, through prayer, through devotion, the further fear of darkness is away from me. I'll tell you right now, you cannot be in the presence of God and be afraid. God won't allow it. God takes care of it. God does that. That's why David can say, I'll offer up sacrifices and praises to God with joy and melody in my heart. I don't care how big the enemy is. When I'm in the presence of God, I feel free to worship and live for God. Verse 3 says it the best. My heart shall not fear. That's where the battle is won. My heart shall not fear. Now let's all run into the bomb shelter and be safe. And look at each other, die of fear. We'll just be out. Praise God. I will not allow my heart to fear. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Though there's a hidden enemy all around me. And there are threats everywhere. We shall not be afraid whom shall we fear if the Lord is our light he's our understanding whom shall we fear when I'm in the presence of God when I first started fighting in full contact karate I was doing well I remember fighting in this regional tournament it was a big step for me but it wasn't a big tournament for me it was a big step all I was filled with fear and I fought one, and I fought another, and I fought after about five fights in two hours. I won, but I was still afraid. I won and learned nothing. Two years later, I fought in a huge national, and I lost, but I fought with deep confidence and trust on who I am and the ability God has given me and my training. I learned more from the loss than I did from the win because I had more peace in my heart. Sooner or later, you have to have peace in your heart. No one goes to the top with fear all the time. You might win one or two battles. Even this too shall what? But do you learn anything? Does God want us going through life? This too shall pass. I haven't changed. I'm still a nervous wreck. Five years after being a Christian, 15 years of being a Christian, I'm still a nervous wreck. No, 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 no. I got to wake up like David did. When the fear comes, like it came on David, I've got to remind myself, whom shall I be afraid? God is faithful. He was faithful in the past. He'll be faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. Please, don't. This is about not trying not to be afraid. That's not what the psalm is saying. As we worship God, fear is vanquished. And we get stronger in the Lord. I'll just close with what he says in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This was David's words to the church of his day. And guess what? It's David's words to the church. Nothing's changed. Your enemy is God's enemy. What we see going on in this world today is not about us. It's not about democracy. It's not about freedom of speech. It's whom shall we serve. And we serve God. This is, about, this is against God. It's not against us. Let's not pride ourselves. I think this is against the American dream. This is a war against Christ. That's who this war is against. And we are caught in the crossfire. But yet we don't live in fear like so many others do. We live in confident trust that the Lord is the light in my salvation. Whom shall we fear? As we apply this and close, church life is a recalibration of faith in God. This lesson that David's teaching, this lesson that david learned we learn constantly in our life we never master it do you think you master this don't go to church for two years you'll see how much you mastered life (laughs) don't worship god for a length of time see how strong you are stay away from the sanctifying power of god stay away from the encouragement of other believers and see how far you make it every fear will engulf you Every temptation will overtake us. But when we consistently worship together as a family of God in the prescribed ways, we go to the temple in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we praise Him and we pray to Him and we fellowship together the, the, the right way. Everything, we learn what Jesus has done and said for us. He's our peace. This is why we cast our cares because He peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let your hearts not be troubled, neither let your hearts be afraid just in the name of Jesus right there is the presence and temple of God you can be anywhere, on the train you could be in the midst of the threat when the guns are going off and you can simply cry out Jesus and you are in the presence of God David didn't have that He had to go to the temple. We have that as New Testament believers. Our world is changing. As Jesus says, the love of many is growing cold. We truly need to be part of that generation that seeks the fakes of the God of Jacob. Father, we thank you for everything Christ has said and Christ has done, and that we can truly and confidently say, Along with David, whom shall I fear? God, remove the fear away from us. Remove the anxieties away from us, God. Let the Christian church arise at this dark time in human history, God, to be the light that shines in a dark place a place that has hope, a place that has assurance, a place that has uh, a trust, Father God, a place that has genuine peace in their hearts and that we're not running around in anxiety, trying to trust humanity, trying to trust conventional wisdom, but our trust is in the living God. We will not trust in chariots and horses, for victory comes from the Lord. In Jesus' name.